0: What time do you call this?
1: (laughs) Sorry for being a little tardy. (laughs)
0: That's all right, you lost loads of weight last time I saw you. (laughs) Uh,
1: How are you, Jonathan? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am fine now. (laughs) Now my commute is over. Yeah, it's been... uh, I was saying on the way home with Steph, it's... uh, Better than every other day there's something wrong that means I don't get home on time. Yeah. Which is just to do my head in. Bad Was railhead it? conditions, cold cold rails, leafy rails, broken down trains, freight trains, electric Was problems.
0: Was it like that last when you were doing it year before or
1: no, has I don't, it just got I don't, worse? I don't remember as many problems last time. Seems to be pretty frequent at the minute. Hmm. Yeah. But never mind, I'm home now. Got a glass of port because it's Christmas.
0: Yes, it is, and I'm looking
1: forward to uh, I'm looking forward to tucking into our uh, mince pies. Yeah, very exciting.
0: Yeah, I've been out and rectified the situation immediately.
1: Excellent. (laughs) Did you? uh, Did you? Well, let's come to the mince pies later. Yeah. (sighs) So, uh, how's your week?
0: Uh, It's been interesting. Um, We've had a sick childminder, so it means that we've been juggling kitty care not, not literally no actually that way you put your back, back out um <laughs> but no uh luckily jess is back from her show now so um okay. she's been looking after her but it's been funny Um had lots of bursting in into the study of her um you know just random talking about all sorts of nonsense yeah. um so that's been lots of fun um i've been working pretty hard uh and uh, getting very cross, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we'll be talking about later. And um, yeah, uh, what else have we have been doing? Uh, the, well, it was Black Friday last week, wasn't it? Mm, uh, it was. You know, obviously that famous British um, shopping <laughs> Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did take advantage of it and I bought myself a new speaker, a Sonos Jobby, because it was 30 mm. quid off. I think it still is actually off the little yeah. one, the one, Sonos One.
1: Okay. So how are you rigging that up to your... Well, that's kind tech. of what I've underestimated. <laughs> <laughs> does it just not, you know... Pl- well, obviously it doesn't plug in, but um, does it not just kind of ready to go?
0: Yeah, you can connect it to certain apps. So you can connect it to Spotify. So if you're mm-hmm. an exclusive Spotify user, then it's fine. Uh, the interface is is really not very nice. Yeah. Um, or, or you can... Um, you can connect it to uh, like a network attached storage with all your music on. Yeah, but uh, the problem with that is that mine's in such a state, and it doesn't run iTunes, so it's a bit of a bit of a faff. So I've got to I've got to sort of sort that out. But at the moment, I'm pretty much um, Spotify
1: only. So yeah, you it's should. Um, you should ask uh, Tim Fowler. I think right on uh, on path about that. I think he's got his. Uh, Sonos sorted out. I think he's Sonos, boy. I think there's lots of people uh, on Path who use Sonos with their Macs and things. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think yeah, I they've think just, they, they, they've started, they've uncoupled, we talked about it in the news ages ago, didn't we, that they're, they're uncoupling their app from the device, so. A, a conscious can, uncoupling. Yeah. <laughs> so that you will be able to use um, Spotify directly and just, attack, mm. and just connect that to the speaker, um, which yeah. will make it a lot easier to use. And I think that's in beta at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll wait for that. But it's just a little early Christmas present for our kitchen. Oh, very nice. Um, which can balance the large stain in the ceiling because our bathroom's been leaking. So we got brand oh, yeah brand new ceiling, water. Oh, that's, that's not good. So that's been fun. So everything's been falling apart. Yeah, phone, phone, broadband, and the bathrooms.
1: <coughs> yes, but you're uh, you're all back up and running, broadband yeah. wise now, and which is good. Otherwise, this would be a entirely totally different show. <laughs> <coughs> yeah,
0: um, and I've been watching MasterChef Pro. Professionals, MasterChef. Yes, try, is it? Uh, I, I, lo- yeah. I love it. I don't. W- I don't watch. <clears throat> We've been watching that as well. Oh, yeah, I just like the. Uh, I've written here. It's like there's just the psychological dismantling of big, fat, hairy, egoed men.
1: Yeah, it was called on <laughs> on the Guardian this week. It was called the cruellest TV show ever. <laughs>
0: I love it I love that they come on and they're so they big themselves up so much yeah. and they say you know and their excuses are always like I, I have no well very rarely are you know oh I just don't know how to cook that it's normally like oh well you know um, yeah, I haven't done that for a while um, yeah. but uh, yeah this uh, the, the one yesterday was just brilliant dismantling of, <laughs> of people's psychological breakdown it was uh, it was horrible to watch
1: yeah <laughs> Was that the um, the called Andalusian thoop yeah 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 very funny
0: yeah well worth a Uh, watch what have you been up to
1: I'm in Shoreditch again Um, so um, yeah lots of work it's weird it's been a weird time in Shoreditch because they got me in to help on a specific project and I've spent an awful lot of my time waiting for either designers to pass me stuff because I've been doing like a production role so, designers to pass me stuff, or waiting for clients to give me feedback on stuff. <clears throat> so, it's been bursts of busyness with bursts of boredom. And then, as the weeks progressed, I've kind of asked for more work to keep me occupied. And I've now kind of got like four real big, hefty, quite complex jobs on my plate. That's by the end of today, I was making my head spin a little bit, um, not helped by my Mac. Just failing in the uh, in the glare of five gigabyte PSB files, um, which you didn't like opening or saving or doing anything with at all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been today's been it's been a tedious week, and today's been slightly tearing my hair out. Um, but you know it's fine. I've had a good book to read on the commute. Reading a a sequel to a book I read a while ago. The first book was called Proxima, which is kind of a bit of a hard sci-fi book about the colonization of a a planet around Proxima Centauri. And there was a weird twist at the end, which was like, oh. And this follows in that, uh, in the wake of that twist. And it's basically um, an alternate timeline where the Roman Empire didn't fall, but instead colonized space, which sounds kind of awful and pulpy. But it's um, it's actually quite good.
0: Yeah, no, sign me up to that one. I think I've seen that.
1: Have you told me about that one before? I don't know. I only started reading it a couple of days ago. So, I don't think so. Mm. Mm. Um, But that's about it. I think this week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting week of um, just dealing with ridiculousness and thinking about how to uh, how do you solve it. because this week we're going to be talking about we're continuing on from uh, triaging of communications and we're talking <clears throat> about the scheduling of the work once it comes in uh, as a as a freelancer or uh, as a single, you know, a one man, one person band. Yeah. Um. So we'll be talking about that later. But I've definitely had um interesting, interesting moments this week that have made me really think about, you know, how you go forward.
1: I shall look forward to hearing more, John. <coughs> so, yeah, well, new, news-wise, um, do you want to get on to news? Yeah, let's. Shall we introduce, introduce the show and uh, and have some news? So, uh, welcome to North v. South, the podcast which is about, but not about design. It's episode 39 uh, with myself, Rob Turpin, and John Ellerman. Mm. So, some news. Yeah, I haven't got?
0: got well, I haven't got a huge amount of news to report, Um, I'll just do a quick update on the Font Awesome Kickstarter, because I know you would like to kick off with a Kickstarter. Love it. I said it was brilliant before. Um, I've actually made a pledge to this. Um, It's uh, basically a a font with loads of icons in it that you Mm. can use uh, on websites and also in your design packages, um, they went for thirty thousand dollars. They've just broken today, and it's run out. I think now it's finished. Uh, they've made a million dollars, so a million and seventy-six thousand dollars. So, wow. con- congratulations to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well done, guys.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so it's great to see um, a really good idea, just absolutely knocking it out of the park.
1: Yeah, more power to them. Yeah. Good um, stuff. Uh, well, my first bit of news is we've talked a few times and we've had a, a little episode on nostalgia and in the Guardian today there's an article about the return of Nokia smartphones uh, coming next year and this is they're going to be produced overseas by I think Foxconn in China which is where kind of Apple make their phones and Samsung make their phones um, and they're it's been created by a company called HMD Global, and they've licensed the Nokia brand name from Microsoft, who bought Nokia and then effectively threw it in the sea. Um, but the, uh, this HMD Global is made up of previous uh, former Nokia employees and people from other kind of tech industries as well. But they're, they're very open about the fact that they're going to produce phones Hopefully, to prey on people's um, love of the Nokia brand and playing up to the kind of nostalgia factor, um, which is I don't know. Can you have that much nostalgia for something that only disappeared a few years ago? <laughs> but you can have nostalgia, I guess, for a Nokia thirty-two ten. <clears throat> yeah, but and, that, playing, but and playing Snake, but that's not what these are going to be.
0: No, you, uh, how do you have that flat screen mentality? Yeah. In an in an old handset, it doesn't, you know. Um, I yeah. mean, the the Lumia were an extension of the Nokia brand, weren't they? And they yeah, were yeah. beautiful looking phones. Apart from when you picked them up and held them, they were absolutely enormous. Mm. Um, but they did look fantastic. I think. Um, are they still making them? Uh, well, they
1: still make Nokia. Still make phones. They make feature phones, so they're cheaper, basic phones that are sold kind of in developing countries. Um. And this HMD have got the license to use the Nokia brand name for smartphones, which is what confuses me about the nostalgia. You could have nostalgia if you wanted to be a bit of a Luddite and go back to a feature phone, maybe, Mm. Um, but not for a, a Nokia smartphone, which surely no one has warm, glowing memories of a Nokia smartphone.
0: No, they were rubbish. They were yeah. awful and crashy and buggy and I, all of them were, weren't they? I was sort of earlier doctor of, you know, I had Sony Ericsson one, a Siemens one, a, yeah, a Nokia, a sort of early smartish phones that you could get connected to WAP and things like that. Yeah. And you could play music on, but they always crashed and they'd always yeah. reboot. And it yeah. was only when the iPhone came out that you had something that resembled an iPod as a phone, which was the reason I bought it. Cause I loved yeah. my iPod. Um, I like my music more than my phone calls. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think what's worrying about this, um, HMD, is that um, they say what we have is the Nokia brand of management experience. Well, that that's didn't. questionable, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and they're saying the key to our success will be driving scale. So right. I thought maybe it was going to be a, a bit of a niche thing they were going for, keep it you know small scale. and But no, they want to succeed by selling tens of millions of them.
0: So, right. but that's already I, been proved by the big boys that uh, it's not possible to do that. Look at HTC; they are, yeah. you know, yeah. literally scraping the barrel of profit, Absolutely. you know, of, uh, of any money in their business because they've gone for scale. Maybe they Employment mean scale as in struggling. selling those giant brick ones that maybe yuppies used to shout into. Yeah,
1: maybe that's it. So uh, I'd say I'd watch that with interest, but I think it'll be a, a whimper.
0: I tried to uh, revive my Nokia. What's the old model called? The, the classic 210. Yeah, I've thrown it in the bin because I couldn't get it to charge. I think the battery had, uh, had corroded because yeah. my iPhone's gone back to Apple and I haven't got a phone because <laughs> <laughs> I can't fit my Nano SIM card into any phone that I've got. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, I got an adapter thing, but it just falls out. Yeah, um, rubbish. Yeah, so uh, I'm stuck without a phone at the moment, oh, which, is, okay. which is a good thing and a bad thing all at once.
1: Yeah, off grid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've just got my massive iPad as like a Skype, <laughs> Skype phone. You're holding it to your ear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> marvelous.
1: Uh, uh, so, what what else have you got for us?
0: Well, uh, carrying on the nostalgia, did you see in the news this week about Joe Corre, who is the son of Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood? He's I did. an absolute arse, um, and uh, he's. He's I think he went on a barge, didn't he, on the Thames and has burnt a lot of original uh, acetate and memorabilia. Uh, yeah, memorabilia that um that is to do with um punk in a kind of King's Road kind of style. You know, sex yes. pistols punk. <clears throat> well, Mr Bill Drummond, friend of the show <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, let's keep
0: that has done one of his classic uh uh, pieces to camera have you seen it
1: i haven't i've, oh, right. I've actually saved it i haven't seen uh, it yet
0: well firstly it's a brilliant article he he has refused to go on television um and he now produces these little sort of uh to camera pieces which i spoke about one that i saw mm. on a punk a program about punk uh, a while ago and um, he's produced a new one for Newsnight because he was asked to go on there and talk about this uh, you know is punk dead or whatever the the conversation was about and you and I sort of had a bit of a, a North V South moment about what punk meant and he gives his vision of what he sees as punk which is really interesting and i think you should uh you should watch it because it, it gives you a much better clue of what i was trying to um express about what punk was rather than okay. it being music and the king's road and stuff um and you might see it in his writing and the way he he produces stuff um yep. but yeah uh always great when he comes out of uh and comes out and talks um it's it's rare these days um but I, cool. love, I love I love Mr Drummond. Yeah. So and I put it on there, Punk's Not Dead Punk's Not Dead which is a uh, Silver Jews reference and if you haven't listened to the Silver Jews then it's due.
1: I've never heard of the Silver Jews. Are they a punk band by any no.
0: chance? No. Oh, okay. I'd call them a alt country. Oh, careful
1: how you say that. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh okay. All right. Well, I'll put that on my list. Can fill that little cultural black hole. Yep, of old country.
0: Well, I do. Yeah, I mean, they. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're they're a sort of offshoot of pavement, if you like pavement. No, no I not, don't think
1: I've ever heard any pavement either. Oh, mate! Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really that into music as a youngster um, at all. Well, you need to go and
0: discover them. I will send you some stuff.
1: Yes. Uh I've got a a little thing on, that was on This Is Colossal. This is a website we've featured before, and um, they always have beautiful. I, th- I
0: thought you meant this is a massive news item. I was, I was <clears> back in Colossal. the seat. This is Colossal.
1: No. Um, it's a poster. It's just a poster, but it's a bloody lovely poster. Um, designer Raphael Esquer of Alfalfa, New York, has created a poster of New York. It's, a kind of, it's actually of Manhattan. Um, made up of lots of tiny little icons of um, New York sites and buildings and kind of activities to make up the map of Manhattan. And it's beautiful. But it is printed in um, a combination of gold and silver foils and metallic inks. And it is a thing of beauty. Uh, It's really, really beautiful. Uh, on like a matte black stock Um, and all around the edge the kind of frame of it is the outlines of famous New York buildings and it's fab it's a beautiful thing and it reminded me of uh, you know the typographer designer Seb Lester who does lots of calligraphy Um, you know him? no his work? He's a, a type designer and a graphic designer, worked with lots of big brands and he got into calligraphy. Um, I think actually one of the reasons he got into it, I think his wife was ill and he practiced calligraphy while he was in the hospital with her. Um, and it's it kind of, he's amazing at it and it's really taken off for him and he's got you know, gazillions of followers everywhere. Um, but he did a beautiful print um called Stars, which has got a quote. I don't know who the quote's by actually. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, I know nothing with any certainty, but the sight of the stars makes me dream. And it's a beautiful gold ink on black calligraphic poster. Uh, And that's definitely worth looking up if you've got £1,900 to spare. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Gold foil on matte black stock works for me so um, might put that on my Christmas list
0: so Seb said Lester's a bit like Jessica Hish then is that right uh, in style yeah.
1: but a bit more cursive yeah he, he also does if you look on his Instagram um, account he does um, he hand draws uh, kind of iconic logos of companies just with those I can't remember what they're called parallel pens which is like the flat calligraphic pen yeah um and uh, he does these beautiful hand drawn, you know, straight off the cuff um, logos and beautiful stuff. So I, I guess he, you could put him in the same bracket as Jessica Hish. Um, <clears throat> maybe more. Uh, I don't know. She she seems a bit more controlled in kind of what she does. Although his stuff is, uh, you know, exquisite. Yeah, it really is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really lovely. <clears throat>
0: I like the one that's just a bit of slate with arse
1: chiselled into it. <laughs> yeah, he did set that, up. That's my That's my kind of art. I don't know if he still uses it. He did set up a separate um, Instagram account. I can't remember what it's called now, but just for rude stuff, rude calligraphy. <laughs> right. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Need a bit of a bit of a laugh, Aye. <clears throat> hey. Indeed. Well, talking of a laugh, uh, always good value is um, Grayson Perry. Mm-hmm. And he's got a book out called Default Man, where he's looking at uh, sort of masculinity. And Penguin Creative Technology Team have produced a website for him that makes it uh, a video game, and um, and they've made a font out of his handwriting. Um, it doesn't. The news item is one of those news items that doesn't really tell you much, but they uh, and it looks like you know they've just taken his elements, and he hasn't had much to do with it. It's quite an interesting concept. So they've created a game that you have to play to get through to get to the link of the book that you sell. Uh, But I thought it was nice. It looks nice. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what I mean by that. But it's, um, yeah, I'd quite like to read the book. Uh, I think he's got a really good eye for the human condition in British civilization. Uh, And there was a really good program on about um, Britishness. Uh, that he produced for Channel Four it was about the one of the only things they've done in the last few years that's of any note. Whatsoever. Was that the masculinity thing, or was that a different thing? He did a uh, program think, on
1: masculinity, didn't? All oh, he?
0: right, well, that's what might be connected to this book, um, <coughs> mm. which is about
1: masculinity. Um,
0: but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's worth checking out. Cool,
1: cool. Uh, I have um, some uh, rebrand news. We transfer. Um, which I use, you use, I think uh, most designers use at the minute. Um, About 50 million users, I think, which is effectively a sort of a peer-to-peer web-based file sharing thing for large files. Um, And it's free. There's obviously a pro version that doesn't have a a size limit and, you know, you can brand this kind of skin the thing so that if you send... Links to people or files to people—they kind of see it as coming from kind of your own branded WeTransfer thing. Uh, but they've rebranded; <clears throat> they haven't really tweaked their logo, um, but they've dropped "transfer" from WeTransfer, um, so it's just called We. And I don't—I I don't really get it. The—the um, the kind of logo mark itself is. It's quite abstract when you see it without the transfer, and it almost doesn't look like a word. It's just a couple of – particularly when you kind of see it quite big, it just looks like some sort of abstract shapes or a, uh, a tooth and a Pac-Man. Um, but I think it's strange that they've dropped um, dropped the transfer a bit, which is strange. Apparently, the company's still called WeTransfer, but they've dropped it from – it's From like the logo. Yo
0: sushi and yo.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <clears throat> uh, I, I I noted this one down as well, and, and my notes were not really rebrand. Um, yeah. Because when you go on the site, <clears throat> they say that they've re you know they've rejigged a lot of the processes. Exactly the same as it was before. Mm. It's just got a nice sort of rounded comic feel to it. Um, but I I totally agree with you. I think that the um, it's not even readable. It doesn't look like we um no. the sh- the shadow underneath it isn't right because that would be wider if it was lit from the top it just looks like a an ellipse that's been that's had a bit of uh you know gaussian blur put on it um and the e looks like someone doing a silhouette with a naughty bit <laughs> 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 <coughs> uh, i just don't get it it doesn't um i i wonder whether the we transfer they're a dutch company aren't they whether the we transfer just doesn't translate well into english because it when I've mentioned it to use to clients, they really don't get it. They don't understand okay. um, the word we transfer. I don't know. It just seems, um, yeah, it seems like a non story, doesn't it? Like a bit of PR. What, what have they done yeah. different about yeah, it? Yeah, maybe it's just to try and get them some more users. I guess it's just tidied, tidied it up in some way. Uh, the, the website's stuff. really nice. If you go onto the the holding screen, there's lots of these little shapes all over it, and they're yeah. all interactive, and I think that's really pretty. And yeah. one thing I forgot to say about the last news item that actually ties to this one is uh, everyone complained about Flash when it was uh, you know, prevalent in the 2000s. Um, yeah. We are, and I predicted this a couple of years ago, we are heading back to the Flash world now that they've got the technology for HTML5 um, to animate properly we are moving back to that kind of uh (laughs) substance over (laughs) or you know looks over substance yeah um because everyone's so bored of all the flat looks um because the grayson perry is very much a a it could just be a flash site couldn't it and this one with its interaction in the background um where you can nudge things along and stuff is definitely reminiscent of flash Mm. it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the interface does it it's yeah it's just playful it's just yeah which is quite like, nice to see do you know what i mean it's nice to it see is. that kind of uh, a bit of playfulness because of it's, whimsy yeah i like it i like that but um we are we are heading towards that
1: yeah um, well we'll uh we'll come back to that in two or three years time and see how you've got on <laughs> you know whether you were right or not all right yeah of course
0: well you know i'll uh i'll i'll worry i'll worry away the night's uh, uh,
1: have you got any other news?
0: <laughs> no, just that uh, a, remin- a reminiscent thing. Um, the Smiths are releasing their first single since they last released one in mid-90s, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Did they re- release one in the 90s, <clears throat> uh, a re- repackage?
1: Uh, I have no idea.
0: Uh, I'd just be interested to see what the cover looks like because they always had iconic covers. Um, mm. I have no idea why they're releasing a new one, um, but yeah. Um, it's the first one since 1995, Sweet oh. and Tender Hooligan. But actually, 1987 was really when they last released something. But were you a fan of the Smiths?
1: I wasn't a massive Smiths really?
0: fan. Really? Oh. <clears throat> Defining band of yeah. my childhood, then.
1: I know, you know, I was at art college
0: when they were. Well, I guess I was at the. Were you not watching the Godfather the... films while
1: well, not <laughs> listening it. to the Smiths? That's it. I, <laughs> I really wasn't interested in music massively when I was at college. Just Manhattan Transfer,
0: Transfer Project.
1: That's it. Or yeah. whatever. Were they called that? Man- <laughs> have, I mixed, have I mixed up two things? No, no. Man, you've mixed up the Manhattan Project <laughs> and Manhattan Transfer. <laughs> <laughs> Explosive. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> right. Do you want to introduce our, our little topic for the uh, for the rest of the, the podcast?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we're talking about... Uh, how do you schedule in work? Um, and I'm going to be talking specifically from my situation, which is uh, I'm a one-man band graphic design shop, I'd say. Um, and Rob, you're sort of on the other side of the freelancing fence, aren't you? You, mm. you, you get booked in by studios um, or individuals to go and work at their place of work. Yeah. Um, and I was interested in talking about <clears throat> how do you cope with booking in work and that ever gnawing fear of the the working towards the cliff is what how i've termed it which is you know that that drop-off point of having having lots of work and then having nothing you know yeah, the, the next whole feast day or
1: famine kind of thing
0: yeah which is kind of the threat of freelance life and how do you um get your head around it how do you deal with it and what techniques techniques what what kind of software do you use to help you schedule it all that kind of stuff so
1: well When you talk about techniques, uh, there's a line in uh, Apocalypse Now, isn't there, where um, Marlon Brando asks Martin Sheen what he thinks of his methods in the jungles of Cambodia. And Martin Sheen replies, I don't see any method at all, Um, which is probably where I'm at, to be honest. Um, So my design work, as opposed to illustration work, uh, is either with a couple of existing clients, who I'll drop them an email every now and again to see if they've got any requirements. Um, Or it comes through word of mouth, so from people who I've done work with before who've mentioned me to someone else, which obviously is completely random when that might arrive. Um, Or it comes through a recruitment agency. I only tend to use one. I've used them for a long time. And they can be great at times and utterly terrible at others where you can phone them up every day for three weeks and they'll have absolutely nothing apart from, I don't know, an an outworking job in Preston or something. Um, so I think I'm, I'm very bad at, and I find it difficult to start thinking about what's coming next if I'm busy on a job, whether that's, busy with a project of my own or if I'm like now in Shoreditch uh, leaving the house at half seven, getting back at half seven or eight um, it's difficult to find the time and the energy to think about what you're going to be doing next and the other problem is at the minute I don't know if I'm booked in next week or not because that's one of the things when you're kind of working with clients that you know there's a there's a kind of a relationship there so you you benefit from them booking you and giving you the work and they benefit often as a freelancer from your flexibility so it might be better for them to come to me rather than go to a recruitment agency and get a freelancer in who they might have to book in for a week or a month at a time or as they can phone me and say, can you come in? Probably going to need you most of this week. We might need you a bit of next week, um, which is exactly how this booking has worked in Shoreditch. But this is my fifth week there now, and it was only supposed to be for a week or two, um, which is good because it's you know continued work and continued income. Um, but the flip side of that was earlier on in the year. They phoned me up and wanted me in, And then the client didn't get back to them with the work. So it was like, it's going to be next week. And then it's going to be next week or the week after. Um, Sorry for the delay. It's probably going to be in two or three weeks' time. We should get the work in. And that work never arrived. So that can be real trouble because you think, you know, I I won't book anything in next week or I won't search for anything or I won't um, kind of push my commissions, you know, at the minute because I know that I'm going to be working for the next week or two. And then, of course, the work doesn't turn up, and you're left with nothing so it's a real it's a real issue.
0: so you can't just go can you go to a recruiter and say, "I'm looking for a one two three month placement? Can you
1: put me in that situation um, you You certainly could um and it has happened to me before, but I think those sort of things are quite rare. I think a lot of the companies that use freelancers through recruitment agencies either want someone very short term for a specific length of time for a specific job, or it might simply be because, you know, someone's going to be off sick for three days and it might be simply that come in. We need someone to work on this project for two, three days or a week. Or I think a lot of recruitment agencies will get a freelancer in for a significant length of time with a view to taking them on full time. I think, you know, trying to find places that you know, well, I don't think you could have continued employment if all you were looking for were you know good long um, bookings. But there again, that's why I'm freelance. I don't necessarily want really really long bookings. Yeah. So it's it swings and roundabouts, and if you can't cope with that level of uncertainty, then Um, like you mentioned in the arts, you should be working in a studio full time.
0: Yeah, it's really tricky. Um, I think that if you... We're talking about, uh, you read a lot of articles, don't you, online with managing time and the fact that, you know, you, it's, it's about handling your clients and, uh, working out when, when they can schedule work in, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But if I look at my activity this year, and this might be because I'm just unorganized and, uh, a bit rubbish, but, um, if I look at the first jobs that I had lined up for January, February, March, they didn't actually kick off, um, until, um, well, some, one of them start April, May kind of time. And then they yeah. went all the way through to July. Um, they were only meant to be a few weeks long and I've had that all year I'm doing now. I'm working on two projects that should have been finished last month. Um, and I'm, they're still adding things to that job Yeah, as I speak. So the, the agreements that you have with people just changes all the time because business is changing all the time. And I think a lot of these kind of articles that Talk about designers who work you know with booked in rolling you know they're booked in for the next three months et cetera et etc mm. is is inc they're either incredibly specialist in what they do or they're really really single minded um because I can't predict i i, I think I, you know I can only book into about five to ten days in the future because I've tried in the past you know to do six or seven weeks in the future, but within a week it's completely knocked out because yeah. I've had jobs come in. I've had jobs delayed. I've had jobs moved around. Um, clients themselves swap jobs around all the time because yeah. different pressures come in. So I can only really do the week after next. Um, but I might know that I've got, you know, like I, I know that I've got enough work to take me up to Christmas, but I don't know when it will stop. Mm. <laughs> and I can't predict what's going to come in between that because I run, I, I'm like a studio. So I'm like, a you know, an, on, an on-call yeah, uh, service. Um, and I yeah think you're if providing
1: you're, a service for your clients and if they need this on it, they need that, they're going to come to you and you can't say, well, yeah, I can do that in three weeks time because they might need it the day after tomorrow.
0: Yeah, in which case they go somewhere else and, you know, some people might say, well and then get different clients. But I think all clients will have that immediate demand Absolutely. at some point, won't they? Oh uh, um, yeah. So I think if you do go for, if you are thinking of setting up solo, you've got to be prepared for that kind of eventuality that people expect you. And I'm quite happy to do it between the hours of, you know, nine and six to be there. You know, if you want um, print file sending, et etc., et cetera. you're going to have to be there all <clears> the time. You can't just, turn on and <laughs> you know turn up when you want to because you end yeah. up with no clients and that, well, I think <laughs> that's the because, fact isn't it yeah
1: it is uh, I think obviously because you're a, you know there's just you that whole situation is just kind of exacerbated isn't it because you have to deal with every single thing on your own you know there isn't an account manager or a, a production manager or a junior designer that you know can send files or you know reply to an email or Pick up the phone. It's everything lands on your shoulders, so everything becomes kind of magnified. But you said, um, you know, you thought maybe this is just me because I'm terribly organised. It's not because it happens. You know, I'm working for you know a really successful studio in Shoreditch um, with you know quite a few really big, shiny clients, and exactly the same thing happens to them. You know, jobs don't come in. Um, or they get postponed either by the client or, you know, outside forces or the marketing department. Um, And then everything lands at once and, you know, clients fail to send stuff or fail to kind of make decisions, but then, you know, deadlines don't get put back uh, accordingly, so everything builds up. Um, But I guess in in an agency, there are just more people to, to share that burden. So it's it's more manageable when you're working on your own. <clears throat> you've got no one to uh, to complain to either, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's just you talking to yourself in your in your little cubby hole.
0: I definitely feel that way at the moment. Yeah, I've really taken. I mentioned it earlier. I've taken absolute battering this week with unorganised yeah. uh, unorganised content being given to me too mm. early. And then people fiddling with things while it's, you know, being designed, um, which makes me cross. And I have told them that. And, uh, but it's, um, it's, you know, I think stronger designers would put their foot on the ball and say, no, this can't go on. But sometimes, you know, if I'm doing for one client, I might have, you know, five, six print jobs on at the same time. <clears throat> there might be little things, you know, press ads, etc. etc. et cetera, postcards and stuff. So they're constantly playing with all of them. Um, and, uh, you you can't stop one of the jobs <laughs> if they're yeah. all happening at the same time. You know you've got lots of spinning plates, haven't you? But I think if you yeah. c- compare your clients as spinning plates, um, once you get to a certain amount, as a, as a one man band like I am, you can only spin so many plates before you start smashing them. <laughs> And whether that's on purpose or not, I don't know. But I think I'm at that stage. I've got, you know, I've now I think I've got about 20 clients on the books and it's just too much for me to cope with. So I need to in the new year uh, do some pruning, Um, which I'll do very gently. (laughs) That's good. um, But yeah. yeah, that's
1: good. But you can keep the clients that, you know, you enjoy working with the most.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, And the great thing is that I'm all that I don't have that cliff now. You know, I think when I started, I had that horrible feeling that empty, you know, waking up on a Sunday night, worrying about, have I got work for, you know, the next three days, four days, whatever. Um, and, And now I'm not thinking about that at all i've changed my pricing structure so that i'm charging much more on the value of the job rather than an hourly rate Mm -hmm. and i'm also um i've got enough clients that when some of them are quiet the other ones are busy and um and then they're coming back and the the clients like what i do so you know because i turn things around for them and i think that's if you're there and you're dependable and you've got set limp boundaries then the cliff isn't so stressful because yeah. you know you're constantly working but it just means that you never get any a break never ever ever get a break <laughs> which kind That's of leads me to, to you know do you then become what's the cure for that you know do you become specialized so you become like a i don't know a ux specialist
1: or whatever that means um, would, that, would that make any difference surely you, you know you're gonna have the same situation aren't you
0: yeah I mean I've got friends who are designers in that kind of realm and they they get employed long much longer term
1: um yeah I guess you're you're working on a particular project aren't you specifically yeah. if you're very specialized
0: it's a longer longer time frame isn't it? My jobs are yeah. you know three four days and you know websites sometimes maybe four or five weeks, but they won't be four or five yeah. weeks continuous work um but um, yeah, do you do you become specialised, or do you just accept the fact that you're going to be a busy studio and just get on <clears> with it and chur, you know churn through the work?
1: I'd get on with it, John, and belt up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm, not, I'm just no. Uh, I think I think you're in a good position, particularly because you know you haven't been going that long. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly a better position to be in to be busy and a bit stressed about it at the moment than, like you say, staring at a cliff of <clears throat> no work in the, in the foreseeable
0: future. Yeah. I just don't think you can plan further than a couple of months. Could, could you? I mean, it'd just be impossible unless you are really, really in demand. Um, and, and there yeah. aren't many clients who are going to wait <laughs> two or three months to get their work into, into be booked. Yeah. You know, unless yeah. they've got a specific, you know, Christmas campaign or whatever, and they're booking you in February. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, d- I just think that would be very rare, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah. The, the work we do is such quick turnaround. Um, so how do, you, how do you organize yourself? Do you have like a calendar? Do you use, what do you do to organize your week or your weeks in, ahead? Uh, With illustrations
1: uh, as well and, and all the orders that you've got coming in. The commissions is pretty simple. So 90% of my commissions come in via Instagram um, and I get people to follow that up with a, an email. And then they just get put on a, a text list. Nothing um, nothing fancy. Because I, I tend not to have more than seven or eight at a time. Just after the October thing finished, I think I had 15 or 16. Um, kind of, you know, stacked up. Um, but that just allows me to to just put them in i'd put them in the list that they've got to be done in so it just it you know works chronologically nice and easy and you know, i can put all the details on there of you know who they are what they want if they've paid or not when they ordered when it's got to go out um so that's simple enough when i have more design work on or when i have commercial illustration stuff on um then yeah i stick it on a spreadsheet with um you know, some contact details and, um, and some kind of timeframes and stuff. Um, but then a lot of the time my design work is working in studio. So that then that just goes on the calendar, um, you know, booked in wherever for how long, if I know, but then, you know, like I said, you know, this was supposed to be a one or two week booking and I'm in my fifth week and I don't know yet if I'm in there next week or not.
0: Yeah when you've got like your list of things to do in the day do you have a, do you use any techniques like get things done or any kind of how, how do you schedule a day's work No
1: you just <laughs> uh Jim, well uh, I think most of my design projects if I get design briefs in um just for myself rather than working at a studio they're generally quite small, so it's one. You know, it's, it's generally an element. So it might be a leaflet or a brochure or a poster or a branding job. So they're they're quite uh sort of individual nuggets of work. So they don't really require that much planning. It's not as if I have to split the job up into a you know a spreadsheet or a you know a, a time. What's it you know when certain things have got to be accomplished. Um,
0: no I I'm, I'm I'm same as you I'm I'm really analog. Um
1: yeah I would, it, what I would really like actually my office has got uh, I'm up in the the eaves of the house so I don't have any flat walls. If I had flat walls I'd be sticking things on the walls. <laughs> cuz I I would absolutely cuz I have I have a notebook and I I make lists day to day. You know if I've got a couple of commissions to get out or a few commissions to get out in the next couple of days then I I just write on a piece of paper and I just stick it on the front of my mac or something. Um But yeah, I would have much more stuff up on the wall with what's going on and kind of what stuff's coming up. Um, But I can't do that because I haven't got any flat walls.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the reason that I wanted to talk about this was because there's so much uh, written about um, and so many apps for organized to-do lists and get things done and, you know, scheduling work and stuff. And we talk about it so much, but it's such a difficult subject to get or a task to get right, isn't it? To follow um, and, and, and nail because everything's so fluid all the time. Um, and I I just analog, you know, I literally use, I, I've got a calendar that I put meetings in. Yeah, but, um, I I have um, two places that I stick all my tasks. Which is one is just a notebook, and I really like the one that you gave me, which is the Field Notes. Um, it's called the, the Field Notes state, Statesman. Yeah, it's like a reporter one. Yeah, I've been it's using It's perfect for last lo- last to-do weeks. lists because it's really thin and narrow uh, and tall, and so and it's perfect for just writing down. I I've, I literally my my clients are coded with three three letters. I write that down, then hyphen and then the task that they've got and then mm-hmm. I'll just number them um and that is like a rolling list of all the things that I have and then on Perfect. my on my wall I just got a a dry white wall um like paint that you can get yep. and painted a wall with that and then I've just got um a uh, like a four week calendar and that both lists run together and so that I try not to miss anything because they're written down twice and I duplicate yep. it because of that um, I know that's a little bit inefficient, but it just means that I then, you know, if I haven't written it down on one list, it's always there. And then I'll just tick those yeah. off as they as they go. And as yeah. I'm talking to people on the phone or whatever, I'll just get up and mark it onto the dry wipe. But I like that. It's a nice idea. Um, and then I've got a, like a, just a box that is just things, things in the future that will just be, yeah. be listed um, and yeah. that stuff. I'm just looking at it now There is stuff in there that's been there for months <laughs> that has yeah. never never kicked off but they are things yeah. that you know if I do get quiet I can call the client and say hey what's, what's going on with that one and that's it that's all that's all it is that's all I well,
1: do I, I guess um, one of the reasons our systems can be so simple um, and it really relates more to yours than mine is that we're only making these for ourselves you know no one else there's no one else in the studio that has to understand our system or or refer to it or contribute to it or take information out of it or put information into it so it can be quite simple can't it yeah and analog
0: yeah when i was doing it before we had shared calendars for each artwork worker yeah. a designer yeah. and then we would and then i would allocate all of that out um, throughout the week and then manage it it was just, it was just pretty much the same but just on a bigger scale, I guess. Yeah, it worked definitely um, well. Yeah, and then, and then Basecamp I used for specific, and I still use for specific clients, but I'm using it less and less. Um, I feel that as they develop it, it gets more complicated, more <clears throat> more self-referential and <laughs> slightly yeah. smug as time goes on. And, I, and I'm kind of running out of you know reasons to use it, I guess.
1: I, I think Basecamp will probably only work as well for a certain type of client and maybe a certain size of client. Certainly, you know any of the places I've worked where I've been working with big clients. There's none of that. Yeah. You know, it's email, phone calls. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it's it's too it's too
0: hard to keep keep a check on it. Um, I would it's imagine hard, it's
1: perfect perfect for a startup.
0: For two or three, yeah, two, three, four co- people in a company, it's fine. Um, yes. Any more than that, it just gets too. You know, people don't use it and then then it's useless, isn't it? As soon as somebody Mm. doesn't use it, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, am I efficient? Probably (laughs) (laughs) has
1: her own it, mind your own business. (laughs) I think you're very organized. I think it's quite funny you think you're not that organized.
0: Well, it's just it's so analog, isn't it? Um, that's that that's the thing. I can't really. Yeah. It doesn't
1: make it, it doesn't make it backwards or inefficient just because it's analog, does it?
0: Yeah, and I think trying to predict beyond that is like trying to predict polls, or you know, when yeah. that's been proven to be utterly rubbish. Of the, uh, you can only predict the the known <coughs> unknowns. So we're going to use that that phrase again that I wrote down there. But it's, um, who'd have
1: thought would have been quoting Donald Rumsfeld so frequently? <laughs>
0: uh, have you? covered all that you want to cover it might be
1: something that we come back to to be honest because this week has been one of those weeks So i'm at shoreditch don't know if i'm there next week been there for a few weeks um got some commissions on and then i've got an outstanding piece of commercial illustration to do and then this week i've been contacted about two more pieces of design work uh two more pieces of commercial illustration and another possible piece of commercial illustration which weirdly came through my recruitment agency who'd somehow seen my instagram account which is utterly bizarre um so uh, if kind of all that comes to pass i'm gonna have a bit of juggling to do so um i'll probably have to start writing slightly more detailed notes um so we can catch up in a week or two and see how that goes i think
0: yeah, I think the the thing to end on is is probably, again, we can explore it at a later date, is we need to come back to is personal projects. And how do you book those things? How do you schedule that kind of time in? Um, yeah, because uh, it's something that I'm really, really bad at, because by the time I'm finished work, I'm kind of done. And yeah. I really, you know, and there are certain things I want to be doing, but I feel I'm always concentrating on what's in the studio at the time. Um, yeah, so I find it really, really hard to schedule that in, and to be disciplined enough to say no. I'm just doing that. Um, I'm literally just every day just managing to finish what I need to finish. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> which kind of cries out as is like, do I need somebody else to help me, uh, or do I need to jettison some work?
1: How long before Kitty can use InDesign?
0: She's she's pretty good already. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. yeah. She's probably good. better than some as we've worked with. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Right, is it Pie Time?
0: No, what website of the week? Oh, website of the week, of course. I've thought,
1: uh, I do have a website of the week. What is it? Um, it's called What If Kirby. And it's uh, in conjunction with the Jack Kirby Museum, I believe. And it's uh, a, uh, a gallery of Jack Kirby's work. Jack Kirby, the famous uh, comic artist, uh, DC and Marvel, created uh, Fantastic Four, The Hulk um the x men i think with stanley um uh i think he started off for, with stanley and marvel it helped create the marvel universe really um fell out over um rights i think uh, and went to work for dc um but incredibly influ- influential comic artist um and that's a proponent of the, the Kirby crackle texturing uh, technique um and it's a uh, it's just a, a gallery of his work. I don't know how much of his work it covers, but there's a lot of it. Uh, so whatifkirby.com. dot com. If you like comics, um, particularly kind of the the golden age of comics, uh, go have a look. There's um, how many pages are there? There's 118 pages of Jack Kirby work. 120 pages of Jack Kirby work on there, um, and it's lovely. To, to have a good look at it so if you like comics go check out whatifkirby.com cool
0: well mine's continuation from last week um max temkin that we spoke about uh runs a company called um cards well they're called yes. Car- the cards against humanity it's I've kind just of just started listening a card, to their card game. yeah their, their podcast which was hilarious he's funny guy yeah there. They, they produced a website last week for Black Friday for their company. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's called, yeah. um, holidayhole.com. And they, uh, well, I'll read, I'll read the strap line. It's the holidays are here and everything in America is going really well. To celebrate Black Friday, Cards Against Humanity is digging a tremendous hole in the earth. And then as they were digging this hole, you, you basically, you just donated money and that funded digging a giant hole in the middle of nowhere. <sighs> And, uh, you have to watch the film. It's absolutely massive. A hundred thousand dollars worth. They of really holes raised a hundred grand. Yeah. And there's a big chart there. You can see how it yeah. was. And then there's some brilliant FAQs. Um, what's happening here? Cards Against Humanity is digging a holiday hole. Is this real? Unfortunately, it is. Where is the hole? America and in our hearts. Um, and it just sort of sums up their thinking and the way they yeah. run their business. And it's beautifully designed. And I think it's, The best website I've read this year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's very, very cool. I like that a lot.
0: Um, Especially the line, why aren't you giving all this money to charity? And then their response is, why aren't you giving all this money to charity? It's your money. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yes, très amusant.
1: Yeah, nice. I like that. To the pies. So on to pies. Christmas is upon us. So it's mince pie time.
0: It's Yuletide. Uh, my daughter opened her first ever Advent calendar this morning, uh, bless her. Did it have chocolate in it? Yeah, it was a Paw Patrol one. Oh, of course. And Rubble was behind the first. I five. Like, spoilers. Means nothing to me. Uh, so what have you got, John? I've got a co-op irresistible luxury mince pie. Um, it's a standard small one um, I've just pulled I've tried to get it out of the tin foil and the whole lid's come off so that's not a good start is it
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> uh, I did have a cup of tea but it's gone really cold so um, uh, hang on mmm mmm nice short sort of shortbread uh, pastry really yeah. good filling really boozy Um yeah, really nice. Oh, um, good sugar on top, not icing sugar, which I like. Yeah. Um, mm, out of the mince pot. I only give that a seven, Rob. God blimey! Yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very excited. Mm. Um, first pie, pie of the season. <laughs> Is it really? Mm-hmm. I must have had a dozen. Well, oh, it's
0: the first of December. God. <laughs> no,
1: my sister's had a tree up for a week. <laughs> um. I'm excited because uh, Steph was in town today and she has bought me the best mince pies in Britain what? worth traveling to London for, according to the Telegraph. Where are they uh, from? So these are from Conditore & Cook. Conditore? Condito, Conditore? Conditore & Cook, which is a London-based uh, bakery, patisserie type of thing. Um, Gerhard Jenner uh, founded Conditore and & Cook and he's from Freiburg on the edge of the Black Forest. So these should be marvellous. So they're very, they're quite uh, flat mince pies uh, with a sort of a a glazed pastry top. look very buttery. So I'm going in now. Very exciting. I've had a glass of port, a very large glass of port. Oh, that's very good. When you dream about a mince pie... That's what it tastes like. Not very boozy, but really beautiful. The pastry's very thin and quite sort of just crisp but buttery and really moist filling. That's delicious. That's the best mince pie I've had so far this year. Man, I've had quite a lot. Um, that's getting an eight.
0: I can't believe you had mince pies already this year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Why not? Well, draw yourself in towards the fire. Pull that tartan rug up over your knees. Take another bite from your buttery mince pie and embrace Christmas this year before next year. (laughs) 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 We'll all be living in shelters deep underground. Um, Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well... Mm. Lovely I can't wait till next see. week with the uh, with our pies where are you going to go what are you going to get have you got uh, have you got it all planned out have you put it on your diary
1: well kind of <laughs> I definitely know where I'm going for some of them
0: yeah I, I want there's one particular one that I want to want to try
1: yeah mm. okay. Heston, Heston services <laughs> <laughs> Heston Blumenthal services yeah yeah okay uh, well we'll look forward to that mm. all okay right, well, it was, uh, lovely to talk to you John you uh, too. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. And um, we'll see you with episode 40. Toodle-pip. Cheerio. <laughs>